Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Lovely day so far this morning. It's it's a bit brisk. Um, Going to be 82 today. Now, that is some awesome sauce. February weather. It is way too hot, but we'll be out there and enjoying it. Now, the rest of this week, the daily low temperature is pretty good. If you're not in the outlying areas, if you're not in the lowlands way out in the hill country, we may be able to sneak our tomatoes in now and not have to worry about covering them up again. There's always possibility we can get a surprise just because there's been no freeze the rest of February. Doesn't mean we can't get a freeze in March. (laughs) They, They show up. They're a real surprise when they happen. But maybe it's time to get your tomatoes in if you haven't yet. Now, all of my tomatoes are in starts. They're getting pretty big. I I had to pot up some tomatoes yesterday, potted up peppers, and they're getting bigger. I'm running out of space for them. I I, I really need to get them in the ground or get them handed off to friends and family because I'm running out of room. And uh, this could be a decent year for tomatoes because we can get them out there early enough that the temperatures will still be uh, in a range that lets the tomatoes be productive. You get too hot and they quit making blossoms and they quit making fruit. But even though we're warming up, and I think it's scary how we're getting so warm so early, that that doesn't bode well for us in most cases. But this should be good weather temperature for getting your tomatoes out there now and getting them started. Sure hope it's going to do that. Don't know. Don't know, but hoping for the best. Um I need to pass on a piece of information and it may be depressing. Sometimes it can start quite the discussion. I've always said when you go to a nursery and you buy seed, never ask the nursery if it's a GMO. And the reason I've said don't ask them that is because companies will spend billions, with a B, billions of dollars to create a plant with the traits in it that the company wants. So once they get that seed, they don't sell it to you. They lease it to you. You buy X number of pounds of seed, you plant it, and you agree to never save that seed. 
And that's why you'll not find a little $3 package of plants that are GMOs because they'll lose their shirt. Selling you ones that you may be able to save the seed and have something new. Well, the start of this month, I've had to eat my words on that one. For the first time, you, as a gardener, I'm not sure where these are being sold yet, but they now have a GMO tomato that you can purchase. And it is a cross between a tomato and a purple-flowered snapdragon where the flowers are edible. And what it what it grows is a cherry tomato, oh, about the size of a uh, about the size of a sun gold, a good sun gold. But it is almost black. It has got so much of this anthocyanin, which is really a health promoting combo. <laughs> oh, please, excuse me. This it, this is a really super healthy compound. It's very, very good for us. But it is a GMO, and you will be able to buy it. I have no idea what the pricing will be. And you can look to see if you can save the seed. I kind of doubt that saving the seed and growing it again will get you the same plant, but we don't know. But now we do have, I guess they would call it, we have these tomatoes out in the wild that you, for the home gardener, can now buy these particular tomatoes. They're supposed to be super, super high in health-promoting compounds. <clears throat> they are supposed to be resistant to many diseases. And, you know, they actually had a GMO tomato in the late 80s. And the problem with it was is it tasted pretty nasty. Nobody wanted to grow it. Nobody wanted to eat it. And they gave up on it. And they really haven't released GMO products to us, the home gardener, until February 1st of this year. Now, if you want more information about it, NPR has an article on it. Um, the article stated February 6th, and it goes into pretty good detail about what's going on. I am not going to turn around and tell you this is a bad idea, nor am I going to say it's a good idea. I'm just letting you know 
that it is now out there. It's your choice as to whether or not you're going to grow it, whether or not you want to try it. But we can no longer say that going to a local nursery buying seed means you will not get GMO seed. That's all changed now. Folks, this is gardening naturally. Um, I've got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 Hey, welcome back, everybody. I don't know if you all been driving around much, but the red buds are letting loose. I've uh, seen a lot of places around here suddenly where their red buds are blooming like crazy. They are they're really beautiful, and they're just now ramping up. We should see some really pretty pink here soon. And after driving around. I didn't even notice that the red bud at the very front of my property was starting to bloom out too. So this this appears to be time for red buds and they're gorgeous. They're, they're really looking good. Now, <clears throat> I transplanted a fig. It's probably been about 30 days. It was 200 feet from my back door. I wasn't going to walk down there and water it and things like that. So I moved it up to where I can get to it very easily. It's probably 20 feet instead of 200 feet from my back door. Now it's still a little thick, but I went out there yesterday and was amazed to see that it started blooming. Well, excuse me. It's not blooming. It's leafing out. Looks pretty healthy. Looks like it's doing well. I'm looking forward to get it established quickly so that it'll get me some figs. I sure miss my big fig trees. Um, One of them was so big, 100 pounds of figs would not be unusual. And the breeze killed it. Yeah, we wound up cutting it out. I got a stump there, and the stump is even breaking down quickly. So it took a quick dive, and I haven't had any good figs since. But now this one I transplanted looks like it's... Uh, doing well. At least it looks happy in the location it's at. So looking forward to seeing it popping up. Oh, and you know, I had a whole host, I have a whole host of schoolhouse lilies in the ground. I have four different, no, three different patches where there's a cluster here, a cluster there, etc. And they were looking great. I mean, they were green-leafed and tall and doing great. 
And we finally got our freeze. Knocked him down in a heartbeat. I mean, the day after the freeze, they came out and all the leaves were brown. They were all curled up. They were all laying flat. I was really disappointing. You know, I was like, oh, maybe they'll carry through, which means I should get a really good growth pattern this year and get lots of schoolhouse lilies. Well, no, they frosted. Well, when I was out looking at my red bud, I walked by two of the three patches of schoolhouse lilies. They were all back up. New green growth, they were starting to stand up straight. They looked really good. They recovered very fast from the freeze. So I'm hoping that I'm seeing this with lots of plants. Somebody walked up to them and smacked them with a freeze. And now they're kind of like, oh, yeah. And they're back on their feet and starting to look good. Unfortunately, my um, lantana, Turk's cap, some of my salvias, they got froze back. My Turk's cap, I need to go out and I'm going to trim it flush to the ground. Get rid of all of it. Take all those stems, toss them. It'll put up new shoots in no time at all. Once we get warm enough. Now I have two big patches of Turk's cap, so gotta clean them both up. Many of my salvias, salvia gregi, you know, uh, autumn sage, um, they kind of are misshapen now because some of the branches froze and the others didn't. And I'm gonna leave them that way. We're quite a while before we're really going to see those things pop up and get going. So I'm going to leave them. They're not going to be bothered. They'll do just fine. And when we get up to good weather, when we get up to good weather and they start to show up, that's when I'll trim them, shape them out, make sure they have plenty of room. To bloom. Folks, let's go to the phone. This is Bob. Bob, what can I help you with? Yeah, hi, Jeff. Um, I have a, a, sub, a quite a number of raised beds uh, for vegetables, and I put a couple inches of uh, compost on top. My question has to do with uh, tilling that in, mixing it up, uh, versus doing it by hand. So to do it by hand is just one heck of a lot of work. But I think I've heard you say that you shouldn't use a rototiller on, um, uh, in the soil. So I was, I was just wondering why. Okay. For one, you're going to dig up weed seeds that you didn't know were there. You're going to raise them to the surface, and they're going to germinate, because now they're going to be able to get sunlight. Number two, in the soil profile, in a six-inch deep layer of soil, there are certain biologies at the very top and certain biologies at the very bottom and a whole assortment of others in between. 
that's where they thrive. You can't take somebody who was in the penthouse of the soil and push them way down to the bottom and expect them to do well. So you will knock back the biology of your soil for a while until people get in the right places again. So the tilling really just rocks up the soil. Also, um, tilling like that can cause a problem. And of course, the name of it escapes me, where the bottom soil, just under where the tiller can catch, will hard pack. And it won't drain as well. And it'll be hard for roots to get through it. And that constant tilling can actually damage the soil. You move the soil biology around, so you're killing off some of that. You're creating that hard pack, which is going to create you drainage problems and have problems for roots to dig down deep. And you, you don't really have to, like, blend the whole compost in. You can simply take a shovel, stick it in the soil, lift it up, and turn it over. You don't have a big shovel full either. Um, take your garden fork and just kind of fluff the soil. That will get the compost where it needs to go, and you'll still be able to plant whatever you want. Uh, Bob, I'm sorry, broke through a barrier here. I got to take a news break. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. <clears throat> This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. <clears throat> Got asked a really good question there about the till versus no till. Uh, of course, it's up to you. I can, I can only give you some of the results, the consequences of doing either one of them. But it is not a necessary practice. You run into a problem. If you're constantly tilling the ground, and let's say you have a tiller that makes a six-inch till. You know, that's how far down it goes. Every time you till it, that top six inches that you just went through is going to be nice and soft and fluffy. And right below that six inches, you're going to get what's called hard pan. Because you're not tilling that ground. You're not breaking up that soil. Does that mean you should get a deeper tiller? No. It defeats the purpose. Hard pan, even hard pan, even for farmers, big farms, every so many years while they're out there, uh, while they're out there killing their field, after so many years, 
they'll do what they'll either disc it or harrow it, which breaks up that hard pan. Now you can do that in your little garden bed. You've got one of those little lightweight tillers and you zip through it. And after so many years, you go out there and you take a garden fork and you break it up really down deep and then go back and do your tilling. You can do that. But then there's the other side of the equation. Some seeds, weed seeds in particular, can stay in the soil 20 years before they germinate. So when you are tilling, you stand a good chance of exposing that seed to the conditions it needs to germinate. And then you are going to have weeds coming up in your freshly tilled soil. And back to the skyscraper analogy, there are certain soil biologies that live in the penthouse area of the soil. There are soil biologies that are somewhere in the middle and some that are near that bottom level, that six inches at the bottom. They are not prepared to be moved to somewhere else. They are, they are surviving where they are because that's their place in the soil. And when you till, you're gonna set everything back. You're taking a step backwards. The idea that, oh, I'm gonna move that soil biology from the penthouse to the mid-level, it'll just work its way back up. <laughs> it takes uh, soil biology a year, a year to move a 16th of an inch. So you may never get it back up there before it dies because it'll be in an area it's not supposed to be. So those are the issues with tilling. Should you do it? Up to you. Uh, I understand the idea that, wow, hey, uh, it turned this soil into something good for me in one try. Depending on the size of the tiller, some of the tillers that are supposedly home garden tillers, uh, wow, the home garden tillers, will beat you to death trying to run it. They can be very big and very bad. You can also accomplish the same thing simply by choosing the crops you plant. Okay, it's coming up on spring, I'm gonna to get tomatoes in the ground. All right, but when those tomatoes are dead, what are you gonna do? Well, this is where we get in our cover crops. There are green manures. There are plants like daikon radish that will drill a hole in the soil for you six to eight inches deep easily. And they're edible. So there are things you can do that don't require a tiller. You want to use one? That's up to you. I can't afford one. 
So I have to treat the soil with the crops that work. And that's, that's just kind of how it goes. So we have, and before someone goes, oh, well, this new, no, don't tell stuff. That's, that's all new. No, it's not. In the 40s, the early 40s, USDA started promoting no-till farming. The Dust Bowl of the 30s was because we tilled every time we turned around and we kept planting the wrong kind of crop. Didn't help that we had a bit of a drought and ta-da, dust storm. That's where they started to go, we don't wanna till. And by not tilling, you establish good, strong roots that hold the ground in place. But it's your choice. I don't have a tiller. Um, I got a garden fork and I can pretty much do the same thing with a garden fork that I can do with a tiller. Yeah, it's more labor, but I get a better return. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, folks. <clears throat> Going to be a lovely day today. I mean... I'm not a huge fan of the wind. And it's spring, so blowing pretty hard right now. And will be. And will be. We're going to have some breezes. Part of that, too, that's not so nice is that wind is going to stir up all kinds of pollens, molds, things that are just not my cup of tea. But the rest of the day, great temperatures, decent sunshine, go out there and do some of the yard work because it won't be too hot. Um, it will be a nice day to go out and, and be in the garden. Yesterday, I was taking care of some plants. Um, taking care of some plants means I'm going to empty the pot and get rid of all the dirt because everything in there is dead. But out of the blue, I have a um, goji berry, wolfberry, lyceum. Um, anyway, it was nothing but sticks last weekend. Didn't see a bud on it. Couldn't believe it. Thought I had lost it. And I forgot it does this to me every year. Get a good freeze, lose all my leaves. Was out there yesterday, and gosh, the whole thing is leaped out completely. It looks great. Looking forward to it coming back, or really hoping for it to come back. 
I'm not uh, a big fan of the taste of the goji berries. They're really high in great uh, antioxidants and nutrition. I'm not a big fan of the flavor. But the flower is attractive. It's a purple and white flower. And my hummingbirds love it. I can see hummingbirds on those flowers whenever they're out there. And then the berry turns this bright red and the birds go crazy. They just gulp down the berries the best they can. So I figure it's a worthwhile plant. It is attractive flowering. It's a good looking bush, beautiful with all the red berries on it. And there are plenty of people that, plenty of wildlife that want to come out there and eat it. So I purchased it for the way to have it produce berries for me. It was kind of disappointing. They weren't all that great. Uh, it's possible I didn't let them dry out enough when I ate them, but it was a but it's a beautiful plant. And uh, my hummingbirds are my hummingbirds are thrilled. Let's go to the phone. This is Sean. Sean, what can I help you with? Hi, I had a question. Um, I've got a couple acres in West Austin, and I've got some mountain laurels that are growing on the property. And I wanted to dig up a couple of them and bring them closer to the house and plant them around the house. I was wondering if they would survive that transplant. Okay, a couple of questions first. How big are they, the ones that you want to move? Um, about head height. Um, the trunk is probably about maybe an inch to an inch and a half in diameter. Okay, word of warning. You can move one that is that big, but it will be very heavy. These things are not light. I mean, they're trees. So something that's six foot tall, that's a lot of plant. And to successfully move one, they have, let's say, delicate roots. So when you go to dig it up, you want to get as many roots as you can get as you lift it out of the ground. That will ensure that you'll be able to move it. Um, should I go wanna, straight back into the soil with it, or should I put it in maybe like a, a bucket with some root toner first? You can go straight back into the soil with it. Um, okay. I, I knew a landscaper, and he got mad at his crew whenever they did it. But he would totally freak out if they ever took a mountain laurel in the black plastic nursery pot slid it off the truck, and dropped it on the ground. He swore that the roots are so delicate that that, that mountain laurel was not going to make it because they did that. They wow. needed to really be delicate with them. I don't know how true that was. I don't know how big a truck they had, how maybe they threw them down. Got no idea. But the roots are somewhat delicate. So if you're going to move it, Treat it nice. Um, clean cuts. Get as many roots as you can. 
really get down deep underneath it and carefully lift it out of there. And for one that's that big, try to get a tarp under it, one of them blue tarps. Mm. So you dig the hole, lean it over, get a tarp, lean it the other way, get the tarp fully under there. Because then you can slide it. So you don't have to carry it to where you want to put it. So that saves you some effort or can save you some effort. But, uh, yeah, you want to go from hole to hole if you can. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your help. Yeah, good luck. Uh, yeah, folks, mountain laurels are are great plants, but they're really something that, unless you have a reason or Sean has the opportunity, he already has them growing, they just happen to be growing in a place he doesn't want them. You want to plant a, a mountain laurel one time. It's just easier on the plant. It's a lot easier on the plant. Let's, uh, I got a minute here. Let's go to Alexa. Alexa, what can I help you with? Hi, I have two loquat trees, and one of them looks like it's dead or dying, and the other one's perfectly fine. And if I look at the one that looks kind of thick, the down at the base, it's kind of the bark's peeling off of it. So I'm wondering if it has a disease. I did text you some pictures of the two trees for comparison and then a close-up of the one that's dying. Um, the, my first question would be, um, trim off all the dead. By okay. doing so, you're going to see if any new growth comes out for you. And it's possible to recover it. I I had one that trimmed it flush to the ground. I was sure it was dead. It's now like four foot tall. So have some faith in it. If at the ground level you're seeing it kind of rotting at the trunk, it looks like that. Yes, How much water like. is it getting? It Does hasn't it gotten any like water it? all winter, just natural rain. And the drainage is pretty good on my property. Nothing pulls up. Got it. Got it. it. It's possible it's suffering some disease, but if you get the bad out of there, get the dead branches, whatever, you see something that's got a green leaf on it, leave that, no matter how small the leaf is, and see if it won't come back for you this spring. Loquats are generally available all year long. So if it winds up dying on you, you can replace it with a new one and it, it'll be fine at that time of the year, whenever that happens, to put a new one in there. Uh, it may not be worth your time and effort to try to nurse this one back, but trim off the ugly and give it a little bit of time, like maybe a month. The weather will be good for it to start growing back. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, have some faith in your plants. Um, this is the time of the year where things that look dead are going to pop up, and you're not going to believe they're suddenly growing. 
So give your plants time to go through this really good and very much appropriate weather. Cool at night and warm during the day. Let's, let's see how that turns out for you. Give it a little bit of time because you can always replace the plant as we get further on in the year. Well, many of the plants. Um, something like a loquat that you can pick up at a nursery almost any time of the year, that's one that you don't have to spend a ton of time nursing it back to health if you don't want to. You can just cut it out, put in a new one. Uh, Connie, I see you there. I don't have any time left. Um, I'll catch you uh, after the news break. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We're going to be at the top of the hour for the news. Get out there if you've got uh, things to do. It's going to be a good day for it. I will catch everybody on the other side. <laughs> 